Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Content warning. The Wards of the State podcast may contain material that may be harmful or traumatizing to some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, Light Shiners, welcome to another episode of War to the State. Uh, we're almost climbing up to 50 episodes, y'all. That's 50 different experiences of adoptees and former foster youth. And every one, every single one of these experiences have been different and unique, but every single one also has been connected. And the experiences, we can draw connections and similarities and understand one, uh, one another. And that's the beauty about this platform. It's we all have... Adoption and foster care is not a monolith, but then when we both, when we all get into the nitty gritty of what are, what happened to us, it's like, Hey, that happened to me too. Or that kind of, that does make sense to me. And then, you know, we talk about the fog, which is fear, obligation, and guilt. And there are so many adoptees who are coming out of the fog or who use this platform and other platforms to help themselves out of the fog, to kind of give their adoption a voice and give themselves a voice so they can speak up. Um, and also more importantly, Men who go through the adoption and foster care systems, I don't know if it's a societal pressure thing. I don't know if it's something that we just feel like we survive and we don't have to speak on it. But there are young boys, especially young black boys who are going through the system who need to know that they can survive it um, and need to have inspiration and need to have role models uh, to look up to. And that's what I strive to do. Um, I strive to get as many men on the show as I can. And I was so excited uh, when I reached out to the, the, or the next guest reached out to me. It was like, Hey, I want to be on the show. And I was like, this is perfect because I need more black men to speak about their experience in foster care, to speak about their experience adopt being adopted and also speak about how adoption literally mirrors slavery. So we have DNA uh, with us. DNA is a well-known rapper. I was looking through his music. Music today, uh, you had one verse. I don't know. You got to tell me the song so I can download it. But you said I was stepping out in my lemon pepper oh, stuff yeah. or something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I said that's cold. That's cold. Uh, so you got to let me know what song that was. I got you. 
But I, saw, <laughs> I was like, I got to download that because that's so funny. I call my uh, penny loafers lemon peppers. My husband's like, you put oh, on yeah. penny loafers, and they and they my lemon peppers. You jigging in things, uh, huh? <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm from Detroit. I'm from Detroit. So we all, but we all, we we shop at Stacy Adams. No, we stay in right. Stacy Adams. But uh, DNA, welcome to the show. Uh, t- let the listeners know about yourself. Who are you? And um, how did your experience in the foster and adoption system start? Um, so my name is um, Devin Arnold. I go by DNA Picasso. That's my artist name. Uh, I am a rapper um, and uh, an, an advocate for um, adoptees. And it's crazy because I just started this journey um, maybe three years ago when I met my partner. She basically told me she was going to help me find my biological mother. Right. And no one has ever done that for me before. Uh, so it was like uh, I was kind of taken aback a little bit because like I was like, "Are you serious? Like you you, you gonna help me?" My my parents and my sisters and brothers ain't even asked me to do that, right? Um, but let's take it all the way back. My story starts in New York. Um, me and my twin brother um, we're we're taking from my mother um, at birth. Uh, she was. Um, she had some drugs in her system and they just weren't having it. And um, she had some mental health issues and she ended up fighting for us uh, for a couple of years before she ultimately lost custody and her rights were terminated. Uh, now, were you guys her only children or did she have children I believe before you? We were her first children. Now, I'm not gotcha. sure because there's been stories, there's been speculation about if she had other kids. Someone said she had another set of twins before us. I'm just, I'm honestly not sure. But as far as I know, we were her first kids. Gotcha. So you, you she fought for you. TPR happened. Um, did you and your brother stay together through we foster did, care? We did, and we ended up getting adopted together as well. well that's yeah. dope. That's dope. I'm so happy that that happened yeah, for me, you all. Me too. We, we did get separated from our younger brother, who was two years younger than us. And at the time, his adoptee, his adoptive parents basically said that they didn't want to... Uh, they didn't want him to know he was adopted. So we took a picture on the day that we all were separated and that was it. I was holding on to this picture my whole life. And I recently, last year on my birthday, he, uh, I found him via ancestry DNA and he came to Denver where I'm living right now. And he just surprised us. And, uh, I met him for the first time. Yo, ancestry's out here changing, changing lives. lives so- yo. Kind of how what your partner did for you, I did that for my husband uh-huh. for Christmas. So last last year on his birthday, he was like down because he's never known his father. And his mother, you know, she was uh, using drugs and not in trouble. He got really raised by his aunts and his grandma. And, you know, his aunts and his grandma are dying. And he's just like, I don't, and he's no contact with his birth mom uh, or his, with his mom. And last for his birthday last year, he's like, I just really want to know my dad. So I made it my dude. Like, this is what I do for work. I was like, I've helped find people's family. Like, I can definitely, why didn't I think about this? And then he, I said, I'll help you find your dad for Christmas. And I gave myself a time limit. And I hired a genealogist. We got the DNA test. We hired like a private investigator. And literally two weeks before Christmas, we were able to give him a package of all of his information, like his aunt, his dad. He has nieces and nephews. Um, and I was just like, here's all this information. Um, and he called his aunt and she was like, yeah, we didn't even know you existed. And then he called his dad and he's like, I didn't even know you existed either. You know, I was out there in the eighties, just slinging dick, being a drug dealer and fucking the hoes. And your mama was one of the hoes. And it's just like, so now he has, I think five siblings. 
Um, he texts them every day. That's, that's he has amazing. like 17 nieces and nephews. And it's ancestry. Ancestry is like, but then <laughs> all the black people on his life. I'm, but I was like, can we get y'all? Cause I bought a bunch of DNA tests. Cause I really wanted to like lock down. I was like, I know our person said this, but I want everybody to take one. And the old black people are like, no, we don't, we don't want to take the government. I was like, no, y'all don't want to take one because y'all know y'all got kids yeah. out here. Y'all got kids out here that you don't want knowing that you are a parent. Oh, but with with your family, how did that work with ancestry? You found your brother. Were you able to find your your mom and any other him, siblings besides I found your other brother? Last. So um, when my partner told me that she was going to help me find my biological mom, I ended up telling my adoptive dad, and step and stepmom, and they ended up for Christmas getting me the ancestry DNA test. And so I took the ancestry DNA That's test. Dope. My mom, my mother, my biological mother did not pop up on there. Um, I got a hit from a first cousin, and who also um, her her father had died. So he basically he's my my uncle. Yeah. It was your uncle. Yeah, yeah my uncle, uncle. Uh, passed. He passed away um, in like the nineties or something like that. Um, and, uh, Afia is her name. So she basically hit me up and we were kind of talking about some stuff and she said, well, I also matched with this person. Maybe you should contact them. And so I contacted, um, like a, uh, like a aunt, like, like a, what is it? Like a, it's weird. Like a second cousin of mine who's like in her eighties. And I ended up speaking to her. That would be your second cousin would be like your uncle's. Cause that worked out with Christopher too. It's like, it's like your uncle's cousin. Or it was like my like second that. cousin's mom, that. like who I ended up talking to. <laughs> it was yeah. It's, it's crazy. Cause the way that tree works out, you're just trying yeah. to figure it out. And then like, it could either be your aunt or your second cousin. I'm like, how the hell right. does that even work? Right. So I ended up talking to her and I knew because my parents uh, who adopted me ended up um, keeping my. Oh, speaking of. Speaking of your adoptive parents, were black. they black or white or like like what? Yeah, they're black. okay, yeah. that's dope. You don't hear a whole lot of black people adopting uh, a set of twins or just adopting. We were the black only kids twins in general, up so for adoption in America at the time, and we actually got adopted because we were on the Maury Povich show. I'll send it to you too. It's on YouTube. So we are the Maury really? Maury Povich did a segment in nineteen. Uh, what was it? I think it was nineteen. It was two thousand. The year two thousand. Where he basically was like these kids, and he had a whole bunch of kids on the show. These all, these kids need need a home. So like, find it in your heart, America, to adopt these children. All the kids you see around me are in need of a mom and dad. Now maybe you can find a place in your heart and your home for one of these children. Today's show can change your lives. All they want is a home. Who are you? Mommy. And who are you? Me. How'd you get into foster care? I was abused. What should a potential mom and dad know about you? I'm nice, I'm kind. My mom died when I was five. We're going to talk about what they've been going through, and uh, maybe we'll get it started with uh, two other adorable kids that you guys met backstage. This is Lonnie and Ronnie from New York and their five-year-old twins. So let's get them out. Both of you sit together. Okay, now you got me all confused. This is Ronnie and this is Lonnie. Right? Yes. No, this is Lonnie and this is Ronnie. Yes. 
Yeah. No, this is Ronnie and this is Lonnie. No. No? Who are you? Ronnie. You're Ronnie? And who are you? Lonnie. Lonnie. Here you go. Hi. Hi. See all those people out there? Mm-hmm. Now, how are you? How old are you all? You just turned five years old. And my son's just about to be five years old. Do you know that? Not funny. Now, are you related? You do, do you all know each other? Are you related? No. No, you're not related? No! You don't look alike. Hey! What? Don't laugh! Who wants to be adopted? Me. You do? And what and what and what kind of a mom and dad are you looking for? For a grandma and a mommy and daddy. I like that. And, and if you get a mommy and daddy, what will you do with them? What will they do with you? What do you think? I will thus. What? Eat. You will what? Eat. You will eat with them? Okay. Now, here's what we think that you all want, but you have to tell me. Do you want to be adopted with your brother? No. No? It's not what you told me backstage. Don't you want to be adopted with your brother? Don't you want your brother to live with you? Yes. I know you do. Don't you want, do you want your brother to live with you? Who's smarter between the two of you? Me. No, me. Me, me. You? He says he is. No, me. You are? Okay. All right, now kids, there are a lot of people out there watching. And who knows? Maybe there's a mom and dad. They're on TV! Yeah, look, yeah, see, look at you all on TV. Isn't that fun? We're on TV, cause look. Yeah, I know. You're on TV. You're on TV. I'm on TV. I'm on TV too much. I'd rather have you all on TV. I want to come over here and sit right here. I want to sit in between these these kids right here. You sit right down there, Ronnie and Lonnie. I want to move on. And like, you know. Not on well, the Maury and you know, about Maury, That ain't Maury's brand. It's not his brand. So he stepped. He- like, and that's also his audience is not going to be a top 10 people. Clearly I know, did. but it, it ended up being like it was a rerun on TV that my adopted mom's brother uh, recorded on the television and then sent the tape over to her. She watched it. was like, oh, my God, we need to go to New York. And they kind of flew out and got us. Um Definitely send me that clip. I would clip. definitely I send you that, that clip. clip. It's, it's honestly like I, I cry every time I watch it, especially when I was younger. Like it was. So it's it's so crazy how they. So we're gonna get into that about advertising children because I was on this weekly thing called Wednesday's Child in Michigan, where they put up a child who was like up for adoption and foster care, and literally like they just like advertise you. And we see a lot of different things are like even now with rehoming on Facebook and these auctions. Have you seen these auctions that they're having no. for adopt? Like so. Oh, I have to send you this link. There are these auctions that they're putting kids through, like with numbers, and it's like a fashion show. And there are parents like who just like bid on the kid Yo, that I, they want. That shit triggers and, me. And, and and like you know, it's crazy. I don't even want to relate it to like to that, but like we just bought a puppy, right? We bought a puppy, and I'm gonna tell you, I hate. I've always hated going to shelters. I've always hated that because it always reminded me of like, oh, we're gonna look in the window and see, does this puppy fit our family? Uh, nah, on to the next one. Oh, we're going to visit and play with this puppy for a second. Oh, if it bites me, oh, no, cool. On to the next one. And I felt like that was like, it, it really triggered me, bro. It sounds crazy, but it really did trigger me because I felt like this is too close, you know? 
we've adopted one dog before our our oldest dog from and i got that same feeling and then also we left him there because i had it like we had to decide right and you put like the 50 dollar yeah. voting fee on <laughs> and then i went back and there was this little girl holding him and i went up and took my <laughs> dog i was like make sure you touch on mine the other two animals we got um we just got them by chance. Like I have a pit bull that I bought by chance because I went to a friend's house and she was like a backyard breeder. And she's like, well, we're going to get rid of this one. I'm probably going to just feed him to coyotes. I was like, you're going to do what? And then I just, she's like, he's probably going to die because he's a runt and he's not eating well. So I took him and I had to bottle feed him for mm-hmm. like six months. And then, and then we got a bunny randomly on Halloween last year. So now I just have three. Animals. That's lit though. And it's cool to have those additions to the so, family. But yeah, the, the, the shelter culture with the animals reminded me too much of like, well, do you know do you know the connection between animal shelters no. and adoption? Okay, so let me get, let me put, let me put you on some game here. So before CPS, there was no child protective services. Um, there was no agencies actually um, like protecting children. So what what happened is, you know, the ASPCA, the like animal, uh, Sarah McLaughlin people, um, they would they were event I think in like 1918, 1910, um, and they would go into homes and rescue abused animals, and they would see kids in there being abused as well. It was like who? Would who do we call? Like it wasn't illegal to work children. It wasn't illegal to abuse children and treat them like literal property. So the ASPCA actually started rescuing children as well as dogs, and they were the first organization to actually start a foster care agency. Um, and then other, and then look, literally look it up. But then if you look at the verbiage, that's why a verbiage and adoption and foster care looks so much like it does for animals, like adoption, rehoming, foster. These are all the same. And you would like, why are they the same verbiage? Because the same organization literally started the CPS organizations that we have here in the United States. Oh. And then you got to get into Georgia Tan and her and her human trafficking. There's a whole lot of things. Like, there's so much. And we'll get into a little bit into that um, a little bit later when we talk about the adoption and slavery thing. Um, But growing up, how was it growing up in your family? So you have... um, a black family. Your family lives in New York, you said? So we were living in New York, York City. When we got adopted, my parents who adopted me lived in California. So they flew they flew across oh, wow. the country to visit us. They, and how old were you when you five, got adopted? About to Do you be remember six. any of like your experience in foster do you remember anything about foster care or your experience? Um, a little in foster bit. Care? Just just the traumatic shit, really. Um <laughs> that's all we yeah, ever just remember, a couple right? Couple traumatic things and most the the uh the more traumatic things that I feel like like maybe signs of like maybe sexual abuse or something like that like that might show up now I don't have any real facts about it but I see like too many parallels where I'm like damn was I abused like that when I was a kid like it makes me ask those questions so I don't really know remember those things but I do remember things like one of the one of the uh one of my uh, foster moms daughters uh, biological daughters put my hands on the stove and like burnt my hands and i had like these like pus bubbles and they try to say that i purposefully like burnt myself and like there's just like, a lot of stuff that went on like i had like split lips and stuff and i was out of school for a long time and like it was just always like oh he fell or he did this or he did that 
but I know I was getting my ass whooped yep. and like just abused and fucked yep. up. And so, um, which made, gave me like real, like, um, what am I trying to say? Like, uh, like I had social uh, problems, right? I wasn't talking to anybody but my twin brother. And then I, I also ended up having anger problems and I would take it out on my twin brother. And like, it would, it was just like a terrible cycle, you know, like terrible cycle. So I don't really remember much other than like a couple little traumatic things, maybe a couple things, like how things used to smell. I don't know if that, if that makes sense, but like sometimes I would. No, for me, I can't do that. I can't go to a gas station without freaking out because that's actually why I wonder one reason I got an electric car because I always smelt gas because I had a foster parent literally like try to burn me one time and like douse me in gasoline and they left me in the basement for hours what? with gasoline on me and like it triggers me so I can't I can't go to again like I every time I, was, I, guess, I was like I'll just get an electric know, car I literally thought I was the only one because like there's some like it, it's stupid like sometimes like a flower or something that I, I'll smell a flower it reminds me of being in one of the foster homes ducked off outside playing with Legos or something like that. And like, have you ever, have you ever done like any uh, repressive memory work with like a therapist? No. Or like a, so I wrote a book, I wrote, a, I wrote a memoir um, a couple years ago about my experience in foster care. And part of the writing process was um, I went to repressive therapy. So like it's a therapy, it's like talk therapy, but like you really just try to just write down as many things as you can remember. Um, and some of it's like meditating. Some people also do like hypnotic, uh, hypnosis, um, but I did a lot of meditating and I, and I really started writing down things like those little things, like why don't I like that smell? So I would intentionally go and then sit at a gas station and just like inhale the fumes. And then you start to, and then if you meditate, your brain, your brain is like a big ass computer, right? And it has memories locked in the back. And if they're, especially if they're traumatic memories, it has them because your subconscious has pushed them back to protect you so you can keep going, right? But you can, you can intentionally unpack it, like unlock that box. And that's when I started doing when I wrote my book was I intentionally started uh, going to the smells in the sites. I, I went to foster homes that I used to be at um, and re like talk to the literal people. Um, and it helped me up with so many repressed yeah. memories. So if you want to know, because some people was like, fuck, no, I don't want to know. <laughs> but if you want to know, next time you smell one of those smells, just really sit with it and and meditate and get comfortable because your brain will unlock it. And then you'll be like, it'll be like watching a movie. You will literally remember. Um, my brother, I talked to my brother about this. I was just in Detroit visiting him and we were reminiscing. He was like, how do you remember like details like that? And I was like, because bro, I just sit and meditate and I just like, I just think about right. that time because then your brain will, it's like a movie. Your brain will start showing you things, especially if it was something that was important or something that was like triggering to you. So I definitely, definitely yeah. suggest that um, if you, as you go through your Most journey, definitely, you definitely know, when we, when we're done, definitely like, let me know if you have any like um, advice on like what type of people to go talk to in terms of like the repressive memory stuff. Yeah. It's interesting because my, my partner, um, uh, kind of put me on to kind of that. And like, I know that I have a lot of like deleted files. Like there's a lot of things in my head that in my memory that I purposefully have tried to forget. And like, just because I just don't want to sit there and think about it too long because I feel like it's going to drive me mad. You know what I'm saying? And, um, the story is like, is really nuts. Yo, like I've never really like unpacked any of this stuff until like the, maybe the last three, four years. And so it's like a lie. And I'm the only one, my twin brother isn't, he doesn't have the ambition to like go look for information or anything like that. He's, 
he's happy that we were saved. He was happy that we, you know, ended up getting in a home and like, Ooh, Ooh, you said that safe thing. You know, if you've been on my platform on TikTok, I, I, it's not that I hate when adoptees say that they are saved, um, because we were but offered. I a said that for, life, a, and that's for, cool for a specific reason. Though I use saved for a specific reason because I remember you talking about the fog, the fear, obligation, and the guilt. I don't have fear and anymore, guilt. but I do mm-hmm. have obligation and guilt, and so the obligation comes with me saying, like, saved is the, the I feel obligated to sit to look at it, like I was saved versus. Like, I just got a chance at a different life. You gotta get, you gotta got a chance right. at a different, and that ain't bad. Like you can be, you can be, you can yeah. be appreciative at yeah. a chance at a second life, you know. And I tell people that all the time. The fog is something deep, especially when you actually have good adoptive parents or parents like mm-hmm. really tried their best. You know, it's hard to process the fog because you do feel obligated and guilty. You're like. Man, we had like my my adoptive parents were literally racist who left me on the street at 15. I was human trafficked. It took it didn't take me that much right. to get through the fog. I was like, bitch, yep, I see that right. shit. Like I, I could, but I when I, the more adoptees that I interview who've actually had trauma-informed and good parents are like, my parents were good people, but there is always something. My parents were good people, There's but something my parents that's good people, and I don't want to and I don't want to talk down on them, you know. But I think it's like there's also some bullshit. There's some shit that they didn't understand. There was no course that they took to learn how to take in a child that's not yours. There wasn't any 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 of like work being done on that end. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I think the way that they would approach it and the way that I felt, like sometimes it didn't it wasn't working for me. Like I'm not I'm not I'm not your slave, yo. I'm not I don't make me feel guilty for having a having an opinion. Now were you guys were you no, guys their only children they or they children. have other children? Before, uh, before you or after last... you, so you got yeah, you're the last two, and kind of explain that experience. Um, you you said something about like how your adoptive parents didn't take any courses. You know, they try to have people take courses. I actually train adoptive parents um, on on being trauma informed and raising children because I tell people ado- raising an adopted child is different than raising a biological child because adoptees be, need exactly. more, and people are like well. They they like well I love them the same I'm like you actually it's not about loving them the same you they they're completely different completely but you different. know what These words are that they people. used to use and they they still use high needs twins like 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 being high needs is a problem of course we're high needs we were abandoned you know or or, or whatever like we were mm-hmm. abandoned or taken away or whatever however it, we ended up in the foster care system and into the point where we were going to get adopted of course we're high needs of course we need a lot what we need more love than anyone else. Yep. Yep. But they think that a lot of people think, especially adoptive parents, think that love is enough. And then especially if they're religious, then they think they oh, can man, pray everything Don't even away. get me started and on it's that like, shit. No. Give it to God. Don't do the work. Give it, just give it to God. No, man. I'm, I'm tired of that shit. <laughs> you know, so I grew up very... I grew up really Same. religious, uh, especially with my adoptive parents. Like they were Catholics, like devout Catholics. We're going to Bible study. You know, we went to Catholic school, going to church three, four times a week. And the more that the older I got and the more religious I got, I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like literally I'm reading the Bible. I'm like, this dude is a gaslighter. Like, <laughs> I'm like, he's asking people to like murder their children and like in honor of him. And I'm like, this is just not, this is not good. And then, and 
being so faithful. My, when my parents banned me on the street, I went to God and God didn't do shit. Now I understand, you know, you got to have the faith of a mustard seed and this, that, and I did. But at the end of the day, the more I got out of the fog, I said, I'm a chi- I was a child. A child should not have to show faith to you not to be homeless or sex trafficked. I'm sorry. That's not a God that I want to be a part of. Like I was a child and people aren't really understanding that. And I do want to get into how people don't really understand the prison, uh, foster care to prison pipeline, because like you said a little bit early, you're angry. You're taking it out on your brother. Did any of that ever affect uh, you growing up? Did you stay, did you ever get in trouble? Did, did I, you avoid I just, trouble? I just beat a case how was yesterday. that growing up? <laughs> Dang, Thank congratulations. You. But it was because I had to pee somebody up in the store for threatening to shoot up the store and he was hitting my wife. He was like pushing my wife and shit, so. Oh, I am not a stranger. I'm not a stranger of catching a case to protect myself. I'm an openly gay man who's been married for 12 years. You know, uh, I, I believe in my Second Amendment right, hey, and yo, I will cut sometimes you. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do to protect yourself. You. So. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I've definitely gotten my fair share of trouble just dealing with anger management problems and dealing with certain things and like having outlets or also being, I had this need to be like, look at me. Even I wasn't, I, I didn't feel like I was getting attention so I did terrible shit and I ended up acting out to get that attention. So like that getting arrested or getting suspended from school or whatever, like, you know, it was bad. And I honestly, I'm going to be real with you between me and you. I don't know how I'm not in prison right now. I don't know how I really don't know how, because I was on track. I love how you said between me and you. And there's thousands I'm of telling listeners. You, we, <laughs> between me and I'm you and the thousands you, of listeners. <laughs> but I really don't know how I'm not in prison right now. I was definitely on track to be there. And like, and I had to yeah. go against the grain. I think that, that, I think that certain people have nurture versus nurture versus it, like nurture nature. versus nurture. I don't know. Yeah. Nature, nature versus nurture. Yeah. Um, because I say that all the time, like my brother in and out of prison in and out of my uncle in and out of prison, all my uncle, my uncle just did like a 52 uh, year bid. He just damn. got out. He's like 72. Uh, I love him. Hey, hey uncle Bernard. Love you, bro. He's, uh, he's free. <laughs> he like, right. He's free. But you know, I tell people that all the time. I was like, I don't know. Like I hit every spot, like homeless, black teenager living in Florida, I did wild shit, but then in the same moment, I knew that if I made one mistake, it would all be over. So yeah, I pushed the line on certain things, but like I also knew that I wanted more. So I don't know what made me know that I wanted more. It's that piece right there that you you see what my hat says? I just knew. Winner's guilt. Winner's guilt. Because I feel like somebody like us is like made to feel guilty for wanting more than what we're given. But, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, oh, it's yeah. like having standards mm-hmm. of being like, this is cool, but I'm, I strive to be th- here or I want this. I want these things. And like, it used to be like, oh, I, I, I used to be looked at like a, like a stuck up brat or something for being like, damn, those kids have all that. Why can't I have that? And it's cool if you don't give it to me, but I want to work for myself and figure out how to get those things. I like nice things. Why can't I know the finer things in life? We came from nothing. So you know what that, you know what that is. Uh, so I don't know if it's for you, but for me, that's that's how you. Well, that's how I fight my abandonment issues. So because I was in thirty-seven foster homes, my adoptive parents abandoned me. 
I I want the best and I Facts. always will work for the best, but it's not because I want to be yeah. better than anyone else. It's because I don't trust anyone else to get it for me because everyone else no. has abandoned me. So that's I want to abandon myself. So that's why like, I, I work I definitely... so hard. Yeah, it comes with, you know, the nice cars, the nice house, but it's because I know yeah. I'm never going to abandon me. And then, you know, with my husband now, we've been for, and even then our first, I would say our first seven, eight years, I didn't truly trust him. I didn't truly trust that man until our trust was completely shattered. And then we had to go to marriage therapy for like three years to rebuild it. Yeah. And then I really had, because I had to intentionally retrust him. It wasn't like, oh, I just love him. So I trust him. It was like, nah, I know you made a huge mistake that broke my trust. And now I have to intentionally rebuild this trust with you. So that really what made me know that me being successful was me dealing with my abandonment issues. And that's okay. Because I have this thing where I'm like, I always say, no one is coming to save me. No one is coming to save me. Nobody is coming. And, and if there's an illusion that someone's coming, it's it's too good to be true. No one is coming to save me. I got to get it for me and everybody that I love. That's so going back to religion. That's why people like I love I love people who have who have faith because I think that faith is beautiful. But then sometimes faith can be, I see faith hinder so many people where they're just like, God got me, God, God, God gonna handle it. I'm like, no love. You no gotta love. get up you and have get to, it. Um, and you gotta do the, you do the work. And there's also this thing that one of my homies used to say, he's a producer, one of my, the first producers I ever worked with, very religious to this day. He's like, if you win in this life, you'll lose in the next. And I'm like. That sounds gaslighting. <laughs> so you can't have no nice things. You can't win. You can't be successful in this life. Otherwise, you're doomed to it. So, I mean, I mean, if that's the truth, there goes every pastor right there, man. <laughs> every pastor, especially in the Baptist church, doomed. Um, so speaking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Y'all be collecting for your new your new watcher, your new car. Talk about I'm some dig deep for your wallet. Um, <laughs> we're going to take a quick break, DNA. When we come back, I want you to talk about. Um, becoming an adult as an adoptee, how that has, um, ex- how that experience has been, um, how reunification has been for you. And then uh, I want us to talk a little bit about how mm-hmm. adoption can be slavery. So we'll take a, we'll be right back y'all. Um, and we'll see you when we come back. Hey, Light Shiners. So you guys know after a long day of advocating for foster care and adoption reform, it's really nice just to wind down the day with a nice glass of wine. So that's why I was super excited when Macy's reached out uh, and they wanted to partner with their new Macy's Wine Shop. Did you guys know that Macy's had a wine shop? They do. And right now they're offering you three free bottles of wine with your first order. All you have to do is pay shipping and applicable taxes. But let's get to it. So all full transparency, y'all. Y'all know me. I'm transparent. I've already drank all of these. That was delicious. That one was my favorite. This one was my favorite. All of them were really, really delicious. Um, So what Macy's is doing right now is they can ship you um, bottles of wine to your home, which is brilliant. 
Now, if you know anything about me, you know I love a good red wine. Oh, look at puppy paws. Let's do a puppy paws. All right. So I opened up this red. I popped it open real quick because, you know, I really just do think that a nice red wine will make your life fine. You know what I mean? <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, it's really nice to pour yourself a nice glass of red wine, sit back after a long day of advocacy and enjoy it. So shout out to Macy's for the partnership. And if you guys want to sip some red wine with me, make sure you head over to the link in my bio, use my custom link and redeem your free three bottle box. Uh, all you have to do is just pay shipping and applicable taxes. Always shine your light. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, Light Shiners. Welcome back to the show. So as always, please make sure you're leaving a five-star rating review and subscribing to us on Spotify. Um, also make sure that you are clicking the links in all of my social media bios. I do believe that we have a Macy sponsorship still going on. You can get a free box of wine. Um, all you got to do is pay shipping and handling. And make sure that you use the Macy's link that is directly in my all of my social media bios. If you have any issues, just let me know. Um, and that's the best way to support the show. Uh, another, be- another good way to support this show is to just let a friend know about it. If you have a friend who's been in the foster care system or the adoption system or, you know, maybe just interested in the topic, uh, just let them know um, because sharing is caring. And without y'all's support, we wouldn't be able to keep this show up. So I just want to thank you all uh, and please do what you can so we can continue sharing these amazing stories. So we're going to get back to DNA's uh, experience in foster care and adoption before we go on to their adulthood. Um how was your experience? Oh, well, before you were telling us about how you use Ancestry DNA to find your brother. Um, how did the rest of that experience go? Who else did you find um, after you started that process? He was the last one I ended up finding. So when I first got the Ancestry DNA test, I ended up speaking to a relative. And like I said before, I, I had my birth, original birth certificate with my mother's biological name on it. So when I told this relative what my mother's name was, she said, oh, we know. I know Norma. That's the sister of. And then basically listed off of all my listed off all my uncles, gave me my uncle's number. So I called them up before I even knew who my mother was. We were still on a, on a hot pursuit looking for her because she had no digital footprint whatsoever. Still to this day, does not. Because she was in- now, did your did your adoptive parents have your original birth certificate? They did. They kept it so that one day. Oh, I that's could, so good. Yeah, they kept it. Because, so you know, day, a lot of ours, a lot of ours gets destroyed or they lock it up forever. for not sealed. Yeah. Maybe. So that's good that they kept that for y'all. And that one piece is literally the thing that it was like a the ultimate breadcrumb trail. Like if I didn't have that, I don't know if I would have ever found her, honestly. Because I knew her name. It was like it was So very, how did you find her if she, if she didn't have a digital footprint? Yo, like you have the family, so but I, how did you I, actually I'm, find I'm her? Finding her? I'm finding her brothers. I'm calling her brothers. I found, I'm finding out that I'm like real mad Jamaican, a first generation American. They're all from Jamaica. You know what I'm saying? And like thick ass, uh, mad thick Jamaican. ass accents. Mad Jamaican, bro. <laughs> I'm talking about, I could, at first I could barely understand them when we were speaking. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. I, thinking about what my life would have been if I would have been raised by them and all that. But so we were all kind of looking for them. And uh, I mean, for, for Norma. And I was kind of asking them if they knew where she was. And um, they didn't. And my, my, my partner had a friend 
who worked in the Medicaid office who ended up finding um, where she was at, where my mother's at currently, like back channeling, doing some shit that we weren't supposed to do at all. But we ended up finding out where she was. We found out the facility she was in. I called that thing immediately. Uh, they put me on the phone with her. I was like, at first I was quiet. I didn't even know what to say. She's She definitely has been dealing with mental health issues her whole entire life, schizophrenia. And so it's very hard to communicate with her, you know? Like they've done a lot of stuff, a lot from back in the day, the shock therapy, to all the things to try to like get her, you know, to be fixed or whatever. I don't know. Right. And so it was really hard to communicate with her. Um, So, but we, I did some like telehealth, like Zoom conversations with her, with her case manager. I was just immediately very involved trying to figure out what meds she's on because my twin brother has schizophrenia too. So right there, I was like, boom, boom, this makes sense. Right. It's not just something random in my brother. It's not, this is hereditary. And so it started making sense. I figured out what meds she was on. I tried to be involved and stuff. And then me and my partner ended up going out to New York and flew out there to go meet her for the first time um, in 2021. And how was that? In 2021. It was dope. I had a very, very open mind. Like, I was just like, regardless of what's happening, I'm blessed to be able to meet her. And I never thought I would. And it just gave me some understanding. I never understood why I mattered or where I came from. Like, what woman? What does the woman look like that I came out of? Like, did you now? Did you hug her when you yeah. when you saw her? So, can you explain that to the listeners? Because like, there's something about hugging your mother. Like, even if you've never met her, or if it's been a long time since you've seen her, like, it's like it feels natural. It feels it, like it, it, it just really feels does. like even her smell. It's like even her smell is like, yep, yeah. This is what it's supposed yeah. to be like. How was that for you? It was really good. It was really relieving and relaxing to be able to hold her you know um and like just be able to hug her and see the woman that i you know came from and i remember like being in my room breaking down like crying i don't even really cry because i feel like uh i'd be feeling like my tears and dried up i'd have been through so much shit that i can't even like cry no more it's weird yo and the last 10 times i've cried has only been in front of my partner like only so it was like when we first got together during the pandemic because there's some pandemic love here going on um, and she basically, I told her, I was like, I hate, I hate my biological mom. I hate her because she, she wasn't in a position to take care of me. She did. She wasn't responsible. She had these twins and she just gave us up and blah, 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 and all this shit. And I had all this anger and she was just like, first off, my, my, my wife is a pretty well-known poet. And she wrote this, um, this poem about this woman, the same year I was born, she jumped off the roof with her two twins. Um, because they couldn't do it anymore. No, one, they, they were asking for help. No one was helping them at all, right? And um, they just couldn't eat anymore. So she grabbed both of them and she jumped off the same building that my mother lived in and died. Her and her two twins died. And But my mother wow. got me here. She could have gotten an abortion. In, 19, in the 90s in New York, it was so easy to abort a child. Like you could go down to the to the corner store and get an abortion. She didn't do it. She, she, she did the whole nine-month uh, nine term she carried us and she had us and brought us here. And the magic that it took for us to even be here, the magic it takes for a woman to even bear children and bring us here yeah. is, is, is crazy amazing. And it's not that I, did, I wasn't thinking about that, but I didn't look at it like that in my situation until my, until my wife told me like, nah, it's magic that you're here. If you look at the grand scheme of life, like everything from the stars to if there's aliens down to like the micro 
bio, like the little planktons in the sea, right? You could have been anything. We could have been anything. Anything. We could have been a bird. And we whole humans. So fucking, we're a whole human. Like, and we, and we black for, men too. I feel like we hit the lottery, right? gang. And, and, and the thing <laughs> that really made me appreciate it is that, especially as black people, how many black folks, how many of my ancestors had to survive and go through some bullshit? Just for us to get Slavery. Here. Just for me to be here breathing. They had to serve. And so I owe them. I owe them because they survived. Yeah, it's shitty. False care was shitty. My adoption was shitty. This, what happened to me was shitty. But I have a one in like a trillion chance of being a human being. And not only that, so too many of my ancestors survived for me just to give up. Right. For me just and, to and say like, part fuck right it. There. And there's a lot of things. And, and that right there is what a lot of people don't think about, right? And don't think about, I look at myself like I'm royal. Because you know how much it took for me to get here? And I'm standing... And I'm and I got a I got a good life. No matter how hard shit is, I have a good ass life, right? I got a family to love, and I, I'm finding my biological uh, m- mother and my family and stuff like that. And I just know, I know, I know, I know, I know how much it took. Or I, I I actually I don't know how much it took for her to carry us and bring us here. She did her job as a mother. A mother isn't necessarily textbook. Your mother doesn't mean the woman who raises you. It's the woman who brings you into the world. Right. Yeah. So she did her job. Yep. And so when, when my when my partner uh, basically showed me that side of things, it changed everything for me. Now I just feel like I owe her. I feel like I owe her the, the same way that I felt like I owed my adoptive parents. I really owe my mm-hmm. my biological mother for getting getting me here. I f- is she still she's still with us? She is with us. Um and she's in New York. I'm take every moment. I'm trying take to get her out of the situation she's in. She's in an adult home still. I don't want her to be there. Um so you're gonna run into some legal issues here because of the adoption. And that's what I kind of talk about. Um if you need some help with that, there's some there's some wraparounds, but because you still have your legal your birth certificate, but because of your legal adoption. She would have she her, you're not her next of kin anymore. I've I've tried that. Like when my mom and my sister ended up dying in a car accident, they were like, "You can't even bury her. You I'm can't so make sorry any uh, medical problems. You can't make any medical um, decisions." So, but there are ways around. I was it. thinking there about are, cons- there's a lot of ways around it. Yep. So you can do that was one of my suggestions to do a conservatorship. But to do a conservatorship, you would have to then talk to her power of attorney. So if she doesn't have a power of attorney, um, then that'll be easier for you and your partner to become a power of attorney and then do a a conservatorship. Um, Another thing that you can do, I don't know if you can do it if she has uh, mental issues, is you can do an adult adoption and have your parent readopt you back. But I don't know if that's going to be a solution for this particular situation. But there's a couple of different loopholes that you can definitely get that legal uh your legal rights back definitely trying to figure um, that out and that- because moms needs to be with me but it's crazy because she's in new york i'm in colorado all her brothers i'm the reason why her family our family knows where she's at right now like if it oh they all they all lost contact they with all her lost too. contact with her all wow. of them and she for like over 20 years while she was in and out of hospitals and doing this thing she i don't know who my biological so you, father is um so you found your mom your 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 twin brother has he gone to see her not or yet. is interested? Not yet, no. but I just and, um, the younger brother that I just I, that I met uh, last year. I was just in New York a couple weeks ago, and I was hanging out with him. My partner had a uh, performance at King University, uh, speaking to some of the students, and that was there. the brother who got adopted, uh, and they wanted no no contact, yep, right? Yep. 
How was his? How was his uh, adoption growing up? How was all his, his brothers and sisters were adopted, and um, they all thought that they were biological brothers and sisters until they got <gasps> un- until they got until they got older. And he said, "Yo, I don't look like anyone in this family. What's up?" And put they lied to they them. Did. All of all them. of them. Wow the the identity crisis that will cause for a child Yo, like for, for just human my little brother wow. Bobby he has he definitely has the identity crisis and you know it's crazy him and I both have the same tattoo on our sternum it's like this like sacred heart uh, I don't know if you know what the sacred heart is it's like a, a heart with like thorns around it and a, like a, yep. a fire coming from the top of it and like yep. he had just got it when he before he came to Denver, like a week before he came to Denver, he got this tattoo. And I, I was giving him some clothes out of my closet. I was like, bro, I, I want to just give you some shit while he was here. And I was like giving him stuff, and he was changing. And I seen him take off his shirt, and I was like, what the fuck? I was like, bro, I have the same tattoo. And I showed him, and it was like nuts, like nuts, like in the same spot and everything. And it was like, all right, this is nuts. So it's like I just know that there's like this like this bond that me and him have now. And so like I'm I'm really involved with like. What he got going on, always checking in and stuff, you know. And I'm I'm 27, he's 25, and um, so we're still relatively young and trying to figure out ourselves, you know, figure out you know who we are as people. And like for me, I feel like there's just all this responsibility now. Like I gotta get it a hundred times more, like mm-hmm. because of everything that I got going on in my life. I want, I want, I want generational wealth. I want legacy. I never thought I'd be able to have it the way I the, the way I would want it, you know. Yeah. And so like, yeah, yep. yeah. So it's 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 it shit is crazy. Like all this is happening. So so you got you had your you had your um birth certificate from your adoptive parents. How did you get access to your adoption records? Did you ever get access to your adoption records? And like yes. did that if you did, did that story match what like your mother and your family said, or was it completely? No, they didn't story? know. Apparently my adoptive parents said that they never got the the records that I was given and I have thick envelopes of redacted information but they redacted it with a sharpie goofy as hell because it's 2020 it's 2023 i can figure out how to get around the sharpie redaction and so i was like shining lights through it to figure out names and whatnot so i was like getting all the information and finding out the foster parents that i was with who were ta- who was taking me to the hospital when i got hurt all this stuff right mm-hmm. um but my process for that was i figured out um originally um saint vincent services is the adoption agency that had me Right. But there's another one called HeartShare, but they merged. Now it's HeartShare St. Vincent Services. And so I went to I went to them after asking my adoptive father which adoption agency I was at. I went to them. I I love research. Right. So I was just researching who is the VP of foster care? Who is this? Who is that? So I found this woman named Shannon Gonzalez. I ended up emailing her. Like I was you guys. I was uh, uh, in foster care with you guys. Um, I would like access to my non-identifying information for my for my records because it says that I'm legally entitled to that. And you guys have to provide that yep. to me. And so I they sent me like a little thin ass folder of stuff that I just, just like random like uh just random stuff. And I was like, you guys didn't send me everything. I know you didn't. And so and I was and I was told by someone else in our office that there's a huge briefcase full of shit for me and my twin brother. And they didn't give me even a, a hundredth of it, right? And so I just kept pressing and pressing and pressing and pressing. I got some stuff um, for me. I couldn't get anything for my twin. I just basically I acted like I was him and I did the same process for myself <laughs> and then got the stuff sent to my house. So I just I kept getting the stuff sent. 
And then um, at the same time that I was getting that stuff, um, I was calling in to where my biological mother was and, and she gave me permission to have access to her medical records. So basically what the woman did before she left, the social, the social, uh, uh, the social worker that she, that basically was assigned to her did before she left the facility my mom is at, um, ended up going to all or, or a lot of the hospitals that she stayed in and got information from them and sent me a big packet full of stuff about my mom. So now I, I wow, that was it, nice, man, truly. So I really got the, the, um, uh, opportunity to, understand what mom was going through right and like it was a lot you know she went through a lot i still don't have nearly as all the stuff that i need for my uh the adoption agency that had me now i'm like trying to figure out lawyers i'm trying to get my whole shit unsealed because i think there's a lot of negligence my parents who adopted me shouldn't have even been able to take me because they weren't vetted none of that shit they literally got on a plane came and visited with me good i'm glad that i wasn't sexually abused or anything like that by them right the issues that I had with them were, it, it wasn't that, right? But they could have been anybody. They could have been anybody on the planet. And the adoption agency wouldn't have known because they did not bet them. They did not go and do a home inspection. They didn't know how yep. many kids they had. They literally took us. They they got on the plane, flew to New York, hung out with us. The social worker that I was with was like, basically told my dad, uh, these two boys are getting abused in the home that they're in right now. You should take them. Snuck a plane ticket, snuck our bags, and they just... <sighs> took us back to California. They were supposed to go through the foster parent classes and stuff like that, but they skipped the fosters. There's technically our foster parents for like a couple of weeks and they ended up like adopting us fully, but the state of California didn't even do their due diligence or any of that shit. So like we No, it's the 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 laws are so lax. I said I tell people about this all the time and they're still doing shit like that. There's still people are adopting kids off of Facebook, just trading them like Pokemon cards. And the laws are just too lax. They're too lax. But we out here arguing, spending two days talking about if we should be allowed to have TikTok. Children are going missing and are being abused. And like you said, you got lucky that you didn't, not even lucky, like I appreciate that you didn't go through some of the abuse that some adoptees go through. But some of us didn't go, some of us didn't get lucky. And some I'm, of us and, went and, through and that I know shit. That. And like, even like, when I think about the ass whoopings and stuff that I got and like the way that they took anger out on me and the way that they treat like verbally abused me and said things like, you know, you know, and I, and I'm saying this because I forgive them. I, I do, I do forgive them. Right. For the shit that they did and said when I was younger and like saying shit, like uh, I'll easily send you back or all, you know, like shit like that was like, I didn't know what to do with it. Like I felt scared. That's when the fear came in. I was like, damn, I'm scared to go back. Like whatever you guys want me to do, I'm gonna do. Like, I'm gonna straighten up now because I don't wanna go back. I'm I, I like the family. I like having that just causes so much abandonment. And I now I can totally see like why you hustle and grind because you're just like, I don't wanna be sent back and you you feel yeah. you probably feel like you you have to prove it to I have them. to, even to myself. Because uh, music music actually is the person that gave me a voice. I've always been a writer, but I feel like if no one reads this, who cares, right? So like being like like a musician, being able to like tell my story through music is super, super, super dope and different. And like now I'm heard like by a lot of people. And I, I, I love your music. I love your music. Can you kind of talk about that? How 
How has being an adoptee affected your entire life? Um, as far as like your music, as far as your relationship, um, as far as like how you would parent, uh, how has adoption affected all of those things? Um, well, I do, I will tell you, so my partner, um, she has a few kids, her youngest, um, our youngest is cause he's, cause he's, cause he's my guy. Um, um, it's helped me raise him because, um, he's not mine my blood, but it doesn't matter because family isn't always blood. And I, and that's something that I realized throughout my whole life because the only blood I had was my twin brother, but there's other people that I familyed, you know, throughout my process that weren't, you know, blood. So with him and like raising him, I think me, when I don't put my hands on him, that's the main thing. I don't at all put my hands on him. Like in, I've never, not one time like disciplined him with my hands, like at all. Because I know, I remember getting fucked up, like, bad, yo. Like, tag-teamed and shit. Because, like, and I don't even think my parents, their their intention was to abuse. Wait, oh, this is by your adoptive parents. I keep thinking it was foster yeah. care. I'm just like, no, foster care, I was, wow, foster man. care, I fucked up. But, like, growing up, like, when I was acting out or whatever, like, instead of having conversations about like now would it would you say it was like you know how black people be like they're like you know you 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 uh spare the rod spoil the child type of thing or was it just like straight up like abuse nah, it wasn't straight up abuse i wasn't they, they didn't walk in and look at me and say slap the shit out of me one day like it wasn't it, it, it wasn't and i'm not even trying to make fun or like i'm not laughing yeah. at that but that shit that shit used to happen to me i used to just walk in a room again yeah punched. so it's not like that but it was like if i did anything wrong and i was the one who like pissed anything that i did piss, every, piss everybody off right because if i did something wrong like i would justifiably in their minds get my ass whooped right like i got whooped with all types of shit and like i felt like i deserved it Cause I was a bad kid and now I'm looking at it like, wow, where's the intervention? Where are the conversations? Where, where, where can we find common ground in like certain things with the, with the dynamic between an, a parent and a child? Why is it? I, I just think, Oh, I think this is going to be the good transition because that is directly connected to slavery. Like that, that type of parenting, the uh, beating the parenting by fear. Parenting by fear, especially black parents who parent by fear, that was something that is learned. If you look at the history of Africa, if you look at like our actual ancestors, people didn't beat children. Like it was a matriarchal and a village type community where everyone, and we kind of still see uh, um, sit like little semblance of that. Like, you know, aunties who are around the neighborhood who will take care of you. Yeah. You know, you have the candy lady, you know, you have that one lady, she'll beat your ass if you don't, if you don't, if you don't do it right, but she was the nicest woman ever. If you just respected mm -hmm. her, like we, we kind of have semblances of that, but we've let the white man brainwash us for generations to think that, Oh, we have to beat people. Most of the white people that I know respect us. did not get beat by their parents. No, and if they did, no, they don't. They, if they did, I know, and I'm not, and I'm not going to say it's, it's global, a global thing, because I know people who grew up in trailer parks and got their ass whooped. Their parents were drunks and they got their ass whooped. But the general consensus, the the white people that I know that had good upbringings and good homes, they did not get abused. They did not get hit. And the thing is, so like my, I was adopted by white parents. My, my my white mom hit me a couple times here and there, but their abuse was kind of like slavery. It was, was more just, psychological. Was psychological. 
It was more psycho, like it was literally psychological. It was like making you kneel on rice and saying the rosary 15 times. It was making you chop wood and stack it and then put it like repetitive things, making you dig holes and just fill them back in. Um, it was, it was, it, you know, there was locking and locking people in closets and making you pray out loud all day. Like there was a lot of just psychological torture. And that's where I see a lot with white, with white parents. Like they, there are some that are physically abused, but there's so many more that uh, do psychological torture. Um, I know you wanted to talk about how, how I say, cause a lot of people, you guys know this on the podcast. I always say that uh, adoption is slavery, right? Um, and a lot of people think that I'm talking about chattel slavery. They think that I'm saying like people make their kids work, which, you know, some people do. My parents I, did I that was, shit. I like was, that, I was, was literal, like, <laughs> You better pick them weeds, boy. <laughs> yeah. Picking weeds, chopping wood. Like I was literally a slave. I was an indentured servant. I was taking care of the house. I was the only kid uh, expected to do like chores and stuff. None of their other white kids had to do or their white kids had to do anything. Uh, but that's actually not what I mean when I say adoption is slavery. When I say adoption is slavery, I, I talk about the process of slavery. Uh, and the process of slavery is removing, flying or going to another country, state uh, or county to remove a child. Uh, either you're going to pay for this child or you're going to negotiate or you're going to get uh, you're going to pay some money's exchanging. I'm sorry. Even if you adopt from foster care, there's money exchange because the federal government pays the state and pays these uh, agencies to get you. And adopted. they sometimes pay the uh, so money. They pay your parents every single yep. month. My parents got money every single month. until I turn. Oh, and, and they're and their adoption stipend. You're until you turn 21, oh, yeah. right? 18 or 18. If it's 21, it's new so to my me. Adoption- they was in the bag three years after I was gone. <laughs> so twenty, so it used to be 18. They've now up to age wow. to 21. Um, and then sometimes to 26 because they're working on uh, aging out benefits. But my parents got paid over my adoption $375,000 from the state of Michigan uh, to adopt me, which is still exchanging hands, right? So when I say adoption is slavery, I think that if you go out of your way to adopt or to to purchase a human being or or exchange money for a human being, uh, you take them, you change their name, you change their identity, you change their culture. So like if you were coming up from in a Jamaican family, you literally, you lost your language, you lost your culture identity. Um, And then on top of that, they forced you to assimilate into their culture, their language, their religion. Um, And the worst thing about it is that this is permanent. There's no way out of an adoption. You can't unadopt. You can't even open um, sealed records unless you have a unless you have an you attorney. You can't even open the judge sealed has records. To give you so, and even still, they right. don't have to give you anything. So, what does that sound like? How is that not slavery? Yeah. How is that not the same like thing a, a, as taking rights for children? Is like this weird sub sub genre of like people who have no rights still, almost. We really, well, we really don't have any rights because if you think about it, I, uh, did you consent to your adoption? I didn't either. So how the fuck do we have a legal document? And I really wanted a lawyer or somebody to look at this. How the fuck was that legal and legally binding when that, when half the party, I can't consent, children can't consent. So how did we consent to this adoption? How did, how was this a legal process that we were not asked if we wanted to do. And even if we were asked, children cannot consent. And how is it not reversible? That's like finding a bitch on the internet being like, bitch, you're married to me now and you can't consent and you can't get out of it. That would never happen here. So why are they okay doing it with children? Because, they, because I don't like, understand. Y'all need, y'all need a home. So what, So whatever home is willing to take you, 
you need to go because other than that. And people always people always ask me, like, so what are the alternatives? You say that adoption is slavery. What is the alternatives? And you mentioned one earlier that you're going to try with your mom, conservatorship. Conservatorship actually works with children, mm-hmm. too. Um, Texas offers conservatorships. You can do a kinship placement. You can do permanent guardianship. There are other legal routes that you can use to take care of children. But so many Yo, people I just wanna, want to adopt. I, wanna, because- I thought about adopting so, so many times, but, like, I don't even know. Like, I just don't want to do it wrong. Like, I don't want to... I don't want to be the problem. Like I don't like. Well, here's the thing. The process of adoption is slavery. So even if you're a good adoptive parent, even if you're like trauma informed, you've done everything right. That birth certificate was changed. Their names. Yeah. Changed. You know this. And I wish I wish That's my unethical. name didn't, never got changed because it got to a point where my biological name is Ronnie. Ronnie has him to Sean Finlater. And I, I'm like, I'm almost ashamed of the name. Like I'm almost like embarrassed. I was almost embarrassed by my name my whole life. Like, don't call me that. Like my, one of my best friends has my name saved in his phone is Ronnie. And I'm like, I hate it every time I see it. I'm like, bro, if you don't change that shit. (laughs) Change that shit. (laughs) But no, it's, it it's, there's a lot and people really need, and this is one reason why I was really excited to have you come on the, on the show and share your experience because we need, like I said at the beginning of the show, we need more men, more black men to share their experience. So, because people can listen, especially for the black community, black men, I know like black women are our leaders, but if black men start talking I think we can really get more shit can. done if black men we, start, like, if we start talking, be like, this shit's fucked up, y'all. And black women don't play about that shit. Black women be like, all yeah, right. <laughs> and honestly, that's kind of what my, with my music, what I've been trying to transition. I just dropped the album called The Color Blue. And I'll send you some info, but it's like the most vulnerable piece of work that I've dropped. It's really about love, right? The, how how much I'm in love with my girl. But like, I know a lot of rap music is not that. It's misogynistic as fuck. Like, we talking about fucking bitches and shit. y'all shaking ass and y'all doing that we don't give a fuck y'all whatever like we don't care but a lot, like very seldom do we talk about being in love and like fearing to fearing like heartbreak or like any of that kind of stuff right especially in rap and r&b you know you got people brothers on their knees talking about baby don't go but like for rap it's not it's not as common so that's kind of my thing but what i my, my real goal is is to try to figure out how to represent millions and millions of adoptees in my music right and figure out like what I have a voice, I got a voice just like you have a voice. It's like what? How can I represent us musically? You know, so that's my goal, and I'm really trying to figure out how to really trying to figure I out how to that. get there. I need help. I don't know exactly how to do it, but I, I, I that's my goal is to figure out how to empower um, <clears throat> adoptees and people in group homes, people in foster homes to know like nah, nah, I'm cho- I'm still chosen, even though I'm I feel like nobody wants me. I, I'm still chosen. I'm still here, and I got an oppor- and I got an opportunity to make something of myself and to and to build whatever life I can. Sometimes I don't feel like myself. That one time I just needed some help, but they don't really see it till you're bleeding in the hallway. They must see me smile, but I've been fighting demons all day. Sometimes I don't feel like myself. That one time I just needed some help. Yeah. I've been fighting with the man in the mirror. It's that anxiety. Did it wrong. Now she look at me like there's a light in me. Yeah. Roll the wood when I'm trying to get to a high in me. 
I had idols turn to ops, that shit inspired me. I need a vent sometimes. This life dirty, it can use a little rinse sometimes. I don't know how I made it here, but I think sometimes. About the shit that I came from, so I smoke and maybe drink sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Let's spill some liquor for my dog, so we lit a C30. I showed up late. You know, the, um... It's so funny, my brother, he's a rapper in Detroit too, and he's kind of going through the same thing that you're going through, like how you just explained it. Like he has a voice to share, he wants to share it. Um, and he does it, he always asks me, he's like, Carlos, how do you get up and you just go to do do these conferences and these keynote speeches and all of this? And I'm gonna give you the same advice I gave him. You need to be the adult you needed when you were a child. So that adult, like, like your just think about the, your favorite adult, you know, he was a hustler. Like he was, he had the best clothes. He, even though like he was financially smart, financially literate, you know, he was taking care of his community, be that adult. Um, that's what I strive to be every time because you don't want to, the world is, you're not responsible to give back to a system that fucked you over. It's not our job, but if you truly feel called to it, the only thing you need to do is to be the adult you need it. Uh, and then also always shine your light. Don't let anyone say that, oh, you're too pompous. Oh, your music sucks because you're talking about, you ain't talking about shaking ass. Like, just do what you need it. Be who you need it. And that's the universe, the God, whoever you believe in is going to give back to you. Um, and that's my personal testimony, man. Like, I was homeless at 15. I was human trafficked. I went to jail at 17 and a half for pimping and pandering. And I thought like my life was over. And I met my husband in college. We were poor together. We hustled, we grinded. And, um, and now like I wake up every single day. I literally wake up every single day. I was like, I can't believe yeah. this is my life. Like I literally, I, I would, if, if, if past me were to like me right now, me, they be like, nigga, now you know right. you're lying. But but isn't it this isn't is, it fulfilling though is. that you built that with your own hands? After all the with, shit, yeah. all the adversity that you went through, being able to look at your life yeah. and wake up and open your eyes in the morning and look around and look at all the things that you have. But it's our duty, it's our duty to show other young black kids in system that, that you can do it too. Because they keep seeing all of these drug dealers and all yeah. of these gangbangers and homeboy who just got arrested for a Yo, domestic violence. When you, you were I talking like, about the adoption, uh, what would you say? You said the foster care to prison pipeline or adoption to? Uh, foster care to prison. Right. Uh, well, both. There's pipelines right. and both. So, but we hear about that, right? We hear about um, the folks who, who, who end up being on the street, who end up either being homeless or end up being gangsters. Or end up doing whatever they end up, whatever they do, right? We hear all the negative shit about the pipeline between adoption and whatever else, but we never hear the success stories, or not as much, especially with with with, with black men. We never hear the success stories and how possible it is to be great and want that for yourself because they don't want they don't want people to know. And I don't know how much you know about my platform, but I've. I've restarted my platform six times. My largest platform is at 800,000 followers. And they constantly, I'm constantly, like, they hate that I love right. myself so much. Like when I say like, I deal with the most racism, the most homophobia, it's just like, and the sad thing is sometimes it also comes from my own people um, because they're also, they also don't understand because, you know, I was raised by white folks. So I had a lot of internalized racism that right. I had to unpack. It took years, years. And, you know, I'll, I'll say it. Black folks aren't the most uh, LGBTQ friendly. They just ain't. It, 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 most black folks grew up religious and they grew up thinking that you're going to hell. So 
Um, it's been hard, but I want to not only be there for black children, but also for young queer children in foster care, you know, who make up almost 20% of no kids idea. in foster care. They need to see that. Wow. Yeah, they need to. And then here's the thing. You, your agency, what? Religious. Uh, my Like Bethany Christian religious. Services, Catholic Social Services, St. Augustine. Do you think these religious um, foster care agencies were cool for us kids who were like gay? No, it was horrible. It was absolutely Damn, horrible. And the people that they had fostering were all super hyper-religious people. Um, so like we, that's what I want to do. I want to raise awareness to that. Um, and not only that, but like, you know, everyone's individual story. So I do want to thank you so much, uh, uh, DNA, for coming on and sharing your lived experience and talking about Black mental health and how it's um, genetic and how it can be passed on and why knowing medical history, like your brother suffers, not suffer from, deals with, because I don't think mental illness is something that you suffer from. It's just mm -hmm. something that you deal with um, as human beings, because we all got some, bitch. I got PTSD, CPTSD, ADHD. Yeah, <laughs> the list go on. I got, I got all the acronyms. But it's not something I suffer from. It's something that I've learned to deal with. Um, but it's important to know, like you said, uh, what medicines that, that my mother that worked out for her brain chemistry? Because maybe yeah. I know my brother. And then if you have children, what 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 can I prepare my children? What signs can I can look out for for my children? Um, because it is genetic. So I want to thank you so much for sharing that. And I ask this of all of my guests: um, if you can go back and give a child with your same similar experience as you a, a piece of advice, what piece of advice would that be? Don't be afraid um, of your past and your story because it's your big, it's your greatest weapon, right? And I would also also say, um, aim high, aim high, keep aiming high, and have uh, higher expectations for yourself than anybody else does because they don't have high expectations for you. Um, I don't know. I think there's other things, but I think those things are some some of the things that I would definitely definitely say. You know. Um, I love that. And don't have winner's oh, yes, guilt when you make it. Don't have winner's don't have guilt. Winner's guilt I, when you tell make you, it. I actually went out of my way, bro, to found to find you and hit you up about what you do because of my partner and her friend. And so I definitely thank you for ha having this platform and whatever else I could do with my platform or whatever else I can do. If you, you got keynotes, uh, uh, conferences or whatever that I can show up to or I can help represent or we can we're stronger within numbers or if you want to come to Denver with your partner and y'all want to do something just let me know we can figure something out that's so my actually my partner he works he works in tech he's actually going to Denver nah he's like 30 minutes outside of Denver uh, in April on the 6th but I do I do offer courses um, and I'm like online courses and in-person courses and I do want to get more black men doing like I don't know like workshops I don't know um, like you were talking about real estate like that's something that I want I was trying to te have somebody come in and teach like side hustles um, I have this one black woman coming in and teaching like seven side hustles that adoptees are yeah. Yeah. you can do that are legal uh, you know like let's give them some tools so um i'm definitely open to that i do that i also own a mm -hmm. media production company so um we were like we, we do that we recorded uh the podcast as part of the company um i really try to do my best uh, to not only help the system but also help people and adoptees on our way up because i don't i truly do think it's, it takes a village and who you have in your rolodex uh i truly believe that like your your network yeah. is your net worth um so i always try to expand my network um i'm also 
like happy to work uh, with you on any type of thing. The only thing I will say is for the mm-hmm. for the podcast, uh, we do make like commercials and stuff. So I will be sending you commercials if you could post that on your platforms. I definitely will post it on my platform. Speaking of platforms, uh, where can the listeners? You can follow, follow me you? at uh, DNA Picasso everywhere. So it's DNA and P I C A S S O. Um, on Instagram, Twitter, I'm on Spotify, Apple Music, and the song that you were talking about is called Jing, J-I-N-G. Um, and uh, were you watching the music video? Is that what you what you saw? No. So I went on TikTok. So I was like, I do research on all the guests. So I was looking around like YouTube, TikTok, and there was a guy who did a review of your, you know how they do yeah. like music video reviews. Uh, he was doing a review of your music video and he was like, yo, this is my favorite new artist and their favorite line. And he had just tagged hashtag. So what I like to do is I don't look at y'all's work. I like to see what oh, people are saying about okay. y'all's work. So I don't, I like, I had all the access to your platforms, but I tried to look, I hashtag you. So like hashtag DNA Picasso. And one of your uh, fans was like, this is the, like the slickest <laughs> line. He was playing it. And I was like, that yeah. is slick. That is slick. That's dope. Uh, yeah. So that's what I do. I look at the hashtag and you have uh, your fans really love you they really you really do connect um on all the platforms that i saw you really do connect with your fans um and a lot of black men and a lot of black people just truly truly you inspire them so i, I love the direction that you're going and if you can make a song about adoption like bitch i will, Yo, I will bounce I'm that i will be like i I'm will bounce I'm that everywhere that. I, I guess i just haven't figured out if it should be like like happy or if it should be like real in terms of like like I, I don't know like vent like should I vent about it it needs to be it needs it needs to I'm feeling like a summer banger where you can shake your ass to it but then you're listening to the lyrics and you're just like okay so you know the song um what would you do if your son was at home yeah like kind of like that where like you could bounce to it but then if you yeah, listen to it you're like wait <laughs> <laughs> this is sad as hell <laughs> no, that's dope. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna put some shit together. I'm gonna put some shit together, and you you'll be the first to know about it. I would love that. I would love that. I'm actually gonna uh, download it too as soon as I get off here because I want to listen to the whole thing. Well, uh, DNA, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your lived experience and giving your advice. Um, y'all, make sure that you go follow him at DNA Picasso on all platforms. And like I say every week, y'all, always shine your light. Always shine your light. Even in your darkest moments, keep shining because even if you're dim, it could be pitch dark and someone could still see your dim, <laughs> excuse me, your dim light. Uh, and you can guide them uh, to get out of the fog or guide them to, you know, encourage them to improve their own life or just to know that they're not alone. So always guide, uh, always shine your light because you never know who you're guiding. And uh, thank you, DNA, for being here. And Absolutely. I will see y'all next Thank week. you. My pleasure.